Welcome to the Inside the Board Study Smarter series dedicated to helping you learn to think like a question writer so you can study smarter, not harder, and succeed on your exam. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of our Study Smarter series for Inside the Boards. My name is Mariah. I'm one of your hosts today. And with me today, I have Stuart Bryant, who's one of the co-founders of Inside the Boards. This is a shorter vignette, um, so I'll just quickly read it. During a physical exam, a provider found weakness of a patient's right wrist with poor finger flexion, pronation, and thumb opposition, resembling the ape hand. On which nerve of the brachial plexus does this lesion lie? Is it the median nerve, axillary nerve, radial nerve, or the ulnar nerve? Gotcha. So they have an ape hand deformity, and they want to know where along the brachial plexus this lesion has occurred, right? So what's weak? They have finger flexion, pronation, and thumb opposition, which is an act of bringing in the thumb, right? Mm -hmm. So the axillary nerve is much earlier on the on the shoulder. That's going to. Do you know what muscle that goes to? Um, was it the deltoid or I forget? I always forget my. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Deltoid. Awesome. So that's going to lead, you know, more for like shoulder concerns, and it's not going to lead to this ape hand deformity. The radial nerve. When there's a disorder causing the radial nerve, patients typically have what physical exam finding? Do you know? Wrist drop. R for radial, and then the R sound for wrist drop. Yeah, nice. Okay, great. So a wrist drop goes with a radial nerve palsy. They'll be unable to extend the hand, or uh, you know, maybe ha- even have difficulty with the forearm extension as well. Ulnar nerve. Uh, this one, you know, might be a little bit, you know, kind of confusing with ape hand. That's just a bad, uh, bad term because it doesn't really describe what it looks like. So, like an ape hand or, uh, you know, I think the, uh, this might be, I, I forget if it's just not a, not a PC thing to say about it, but it's like called the hand of benediction or the papal sign, where if you think of like the Pope where they have like their index and their middle finger extended and their fourth and fifth digit are flexed, uh, when asked to flex, they're unable to flex those two digits. So, that's going to be what this is looking like when you see them. Exactly. And I think the fact that the thumb is involved in this patient mm-hmm. also kind of helps like differentiate that because we know the ulnar is mostly yeah. the third and fourth digits. Right. So, you can tell if they are able to flex their, their fourth and fifth that those must be intact. That would be an ulnar nerve uh, concern if they weren't. But an ulnar nerve palsy they would have difficulty with finger extension in general and it would kind of look like they're permanently flexing almost like uh, like claw hands and that's that's what the the classic you know description is is like a claw hand but you you think of like a hand that is permanently flexed not fully flexed like a fist because they're still able to to extend their um, use their extensors but they're unable to, you know, really relax their flexors. So, going through all of those, that leaves me with the median nerve, which again is what I want to describe for the ape hand or, you know, the hand of benediction, the papal sign. 
So in this case, you know, the thumb is in adduction, adduction, and a little bit of an extension. They've lost the ability to do opposition with the hand. Uh, and then you'll see that the index and middle finger are a little bit, you know, bent but unable to, to fully flex. So in the case of a median nerve lesion, they would also have like a sensory finding. Do you know what that would be? Is that like the, the thumb region and then the first and second half of the third digit? Um, mm-hmm. Is that the, like you lose sensation, but on the palm side, not the... Not the, not the dorsal. Yes, the, the dorsum of the hand is the back of the hand. The volar aspect is the front of the hand. And we think of uh, a loss of sensation over the first three and a half digits. So the thumb, the first finger, the second finger, middle finger, and then half of the ring finger or the, you know, the ulnar side of the or the radial side of the ring finger uh, will be lost. And that might be numbness or tingling. In this case, if they were to have a motor weakness as well, it's likely they also have that finding, right? Right. Uh, do you know why that is? Is that is that something to do with the, the carpal tunnel? It is. Uh, I guess the to be more specific on the question, the um, why would you expect to see sensory involvement if you were having nerve involvement or motor, motor involvement? Sorry. sorry. No, it's okay. Because I guess the nerves are, uh, is it the same nerves? I'm not sure. Yeah, it is the same nerve that the... Um, the step one kind of ish uh, topic would be like the nerve fiber formation has more sensory nerves, more peripheral on the nerve oh, sheet. Oh, yep. Okay. So patients are more likely to experience sensory findings uh, if they have things like compression mm-hmm. of the nerve or, you know, an incomplete cut of like the superficial portion of the nerve. But as that goes on or is more severe, like say this person had a cut in their wrist, you know, and then they weren't able to do these things and had this sensory deficit, you would think that they've, you know, had some sort of full thickness cut or injury to that nerve. So since the the, the motor portion is involved, I just expect the, the sensory portion to be involved as well. Okay. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, there are different reasons why you can have carpal tunnel or median nerve syndrome, symptoms, um, uh, but the you know the important things I think are you can have a a supracondylar fracture of the humerus that is the the apex is pushed anterior of the fracture, uh, so it's pushing up into the nerve region can cause the symptoms. Pronator teres sy- syndrome, the nerve pierces the pronator teres muscle, and if that muscle is overgrown or fibrotic or has something wrong, that could lead to compression of the elbow, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And that that compression, you know, because it's running under it could lead to the similar like carpal tunnel symptoms. Oh, okay. Okay. And then, uh, you know, carpal tunnel is the classic where their carpal tunnel is leading, you know, is swollen or there's some sort of compression inside the tunnel that's leading to these kind of symptoms, you know, very distally in the hand, right? Do you know the other structures that go through the carpal tunnel? I don't even remember. Is, is, you can just tell me, sorry. I don't remember no at all. I don't remember any MSK at all. That's okay. That's what the MSK portion is for, right? So, the, the carpal tunnel has the, the median nerve, which is important to note for that's why this compression can happen, right? But then there are also, you know, your, your flexor tendons are going through it. So, flexor pollicis longus, uh, flexor pollicis superficialis. Okay. 
And then um, flexor indices. Okay. Yeah, so the tendon of the flexor pollicis longus, four tendons of the flexor digitorum profundus, and then four tendons of the flexor digitorum superficialis. Um, They're surrounded by a single synovial sheath. So yeah, those are the the nine tendons that run through it. Okay, so yeah, it's the the median nerve, the flexor digitorum profundus and superficialis that makes up that's eight tendons right and then flexor pollicis longus that's what i was confusing with flexor pollicis longus that's not a that's not a uh that doesn't exist there's extensor indices uh on the the dorsum of the hand but not a there isn't a flexor that's included within the flexor digitorum i think one thing that they like asking about is knowing that the sheath is called the flexor ret- retinaculum. I know they use that interchangeably with sheath. So knowing that. Yeah, the flexor retinaculum and then the uh, transverse carpal ligament. Oh, okay, okay. Yes, thank you. Clearly, I'm really bad at this, so I'm glad we have your orthopedics expertise. No, no, no. Do you know the uh, signs for carpal tunnel that you like the physical exam test? The tunnels and the phalans. Or the tinsel of phalans, and then... Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, tunnel sign, how, um, do you know how that... Can you describe how that's done? So, I think for that one, the physician would just lightly tap on the... Right over the median, uh, or the, the carpal tunnel on the the anterior side of the, the patient's hand if they were in anatomical position. And, like, the slight tapping would cause, like, a really, really um, intense response of pain in the patient. Yeah, or numbness and tingling symptoms to occur. So yeah, it's percussion over the uh, over the median nerve. And then the phalen test or phalen maneuver. That one is when we would just have them, I don't know how to describe it, but it's where they bend their, uh, or their, sorry, their wrist 90 degrees and then push. So they flex their wrist 90 degrees and they push against something normally their other wrist also which is bent in 90 degrees and that would also elicit pain or tingling or numbness yeah so if you think of like flexing your 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 hands as if to put them together in prayer this would be doing the same thing but in extension mm-hmm. so you're extending you know you're you're instead of extending the wrist and putting the hands together you're flexing the wrist and putting the hands together uh, so that the dorsum of the hands are touching the dorsal side, the back. Uh, and if you leave it there and you have them at about 90 degrees and then you have them wait, they potentially, you know, become, start to have uh, paresthesias or numbness symptoms in the uh, first three digits, three and a half digits. And those would be positive signs if they had pain and tingling or tingling with those maneuvers, right? Right. Awesome. And then those are these uh, carpal tunnels really related to uh, a lot of different things um, that, you know, we could just touch on that it can go with, but the, you know, you know, the different diseases that it can be seen or can be associated with. Do you, can you na- think of a few of those? So I think one of the weirdest diseases that I remember seeing this associated with was, I think it was amyloidosis, I think. And it, it was like really random and far-fetched, but I just remember that because I thought it was really crazy. 
wow, you went right to the the hard one. The weirdest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and to explain that one, right? What is amyloid amyloidosis? It's like deposition of these uh, proteins that are going to deposit in places they shouldn't be, and they interfe- uh, interfere with like the normal functioning of whatever system right. they're in. Yeah, exactly. So it, usually it's pretty systemic or uh, localized to certain areas, but uh, amyloidosis is typically systemic. And if you have it, you're depositing amyloid or whatever type of proteins, um, depending on the type of amyloidosis in different areas, right? And if you're depositing that protein along, you know, nerve sheaths or tendon sheaths or in, in spaces, you know, particularly any compartment could be filled up with this protein, So, you know, it's not necessarily specific that they would just get carpal tunnel, but this is a reason why you could get carpal tunnel because you have this deposition of protein and tissue into the the space leading to that compression, right? Exactly. You know, you see that a lot in people that are, have chronic renal diseases because they have like their dialysis can lead to like a a dialysis amyloidosis, right? Right. Yep. Exactly. Uh And I think the other thing they always, the one that everyone knows about are, are people who type a lot, secretaries or authors, people like that, who use their hands a lot, um, get carpal tunnel syndrome, pregnant women, um, because they get edema. Mm-hmm. So fluid in the space. Exactly. Rheumatoid arthritis, anything that can cause compression in that area. So why would rheumatoid arthritis lead to it? Um, I think because that's just inflammation in the joints, right? So you would have compression of, of the nerve in that area. Right. So increase in, you know, the joint space uh, becomes inflamed and, you know, grows and becomes more nodular and presses on the the tunnel compartment. And then uh, diabetes is a a classic one. uh, And so is obesity. Okay. Three. And then uh, I guess, did you mention hypothyroidism? Oh, no, I forgot. So, another kind of, all of these can lead to, you know, edema, uh, soft tissue deposition or thickening, uh, just some sort of infiltration uh, leading to those symptoms, right? Um, Big ones are obesity, pregnancy, you know, diabetes is classic, you know, hypothyroidism is a good one too. But yeah, and then you've talked about amyloid, so we're we're ready for that question too. Great. I'll never forget. Yep. (laughs) Uh, more systemic things are more likely to be a polyneuropathy, right? Right. Uh, so you're more likely to have it bilaterally. Right. Makes sense. And then, you know, more localized or compressive type problems are more likely to be, uh, unilateral or use related. Right. Like with the typing or, mm-hmm. or mouse yeah. or something. Yeah. Awesome. Great. So our last question for today. Uh, We have a 26-year-old male who's brought to the ED after a motorcycle accident. There is a visible right upper extremity abnormality. X-ray imaging shows a fracture at the middle third of the humeral shaft. There is a sensory loss to the dorsum of the index finger. Damage to what nerve has occurred? Our choices are A, radial, B, median, C, ulnar, or D, tibial. (laughs) Okay, so I heard you laugh at tibial, so clearly that one is not the answer. Yeah. <laughs> says Mariah. She her tell is that that one is not correct. Okay. 
so this is a classic anatomy question again. And, you know, if we want to think about brachial plexus stuff, I do re- really, you know, there are, you know, conservatively 20 to 30 questions that you can write about the brachial plexus. So anyone who says, I, I don't need to know about the brachial plexus for step one, I would actually consider it a high yield topic, you know, just kind of touching on that. And then, you know, derm is also very high yield because it's one of the few times they get to show you pictures or histology um, together and, you know, make you say something smart about that disease, right? Exactly. Um, And it's always the one that's most, like it's the least studied, I feel. It's the one mm -hmm. that I think most of us just skim over and kind of ignore. But the one that- Exactly. So, I mean, it's definitely worthwhile to go through high yield dermatology photos or images just to kind of know those vignettes. Uh, You'll get that through your studies. Anatomy, you know, it's really hard to go in and say, I'm going to review all anatomy. But if you're going to pick a topic, brachial plexus, that's money for your exam. You you might as well spend time learning those kind of questions because this is, you know, perfectly reasonable to come up. Right. And there for sure, I, I can guarantee there's going to be a question or two on almost every exam about the brachial plexus. Yeah, or uh, something related to the, you know, the upper extremities and anatomy. You know, so this individual has a motorcycle accident and they have a fracture of the middle third of the humeral shaft, uh, which is an interesting description. But so for them, when you think about the loss of sensation in the dorsum of the index finger, we kind of talked about this already. Mm-hmm. What would I expect to see on exam with this patient? So this is, um, again, if it's the dorsum of the first finger, then I know we're talking about the radial nerve. And then if it's the radial nerve, I know we could see wrist drop. Right. So a radial nerve palsy with a humeral shaft fracture is actually fairly common uh, because of the, the location of the radial nerve. So, do you know how the radial nerve runs with the humerus? Nope. <laughs> I remember at all how it runs. I know there is a buzzword to know that a mid-shaft fracture of the humerus causes a radial nerve injury, but I'm not sure how else it runs along the humerus. Yeah. So, it, this is just easy to, to hit on kind of question because the, the radial nerve will dip through a space and go behind the humerus where it will run a part part of the osteology of the humerus is something called the radial groove. Mm-hmm. So it will go from go posteriorly around the shaft of the humerus just over the shaft, right? So it's it's bone and then nerve and then muscle. The triceps muscle would be more superficial than the nerve in this case. Okay. Because of that, if the bone breaks in the shaft, you're likely to get some sort of swelling or even impingement or entrapment of the nerve within the fracture. Okay. Uh, And if that occurs, they're likely going to have some sort of, like you said, difficulty with uh, sensation over the the index finger or the dorsum of the hand. Uh, And they may also have that wrist drop that we're talking about. Both great things to think about. You'll see this patient on trauma and you'll, you'll know. Uh, I, I actually remember vividly seeing a patient like this and they didn't have a, radi- a wrist drop. And I went to, 
talked to the resident and we came back and then they had the wrist drop. Oh, wow. And, you know, that just kind of stuck in my mind after that. Wow. So, radial nerve, that's the important nerve for here, clearly. You know, when I think of the radial nerve, important actions are, you know, you're going to be your your triceps muscles, your your wrist extension. So, if you don't have that, you're going to have difficulty with those movements, right? Mm-hmm. Finger extension, wrist, um, wrist and elbow extension. I know another thing that always used to trip me up was that the radial nerve is involved in using a screwdriver too much. Um, they would always have like a contractor, construction worker, somebody would be using a screwdriver too much and then um, which of the following nerves was impacted and it's the radial. But I would always confuse that with the median because when I think of like flex flexing the wrist, I think of the median nerve. But in this case, uh, the radial nerve is involved in uh, when we're like repetitive pronating and uh, supinating of the forearm like we do when using a screwdriver. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also the one that they associate with Saturday night policy or using like crutches or if like someone falls asleep on, on their elbow. Yeah. 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 Or like, um, exactly. So exactly. Yeah. No. And that's yeah, just because of the location on, you know, kind of posterior. Uh, so, you know, the radial nerve comes from the posterior cord and then it wraps around. So if you put anything under the armpit and press it up, uh, it might pinch on the radial nerve. Mm-hmm. Those are both good things to know. Um, wrist extension, like I said, the brachioradialis reflex is, you know, through the radial nerve. And then, yeah, we talked about the sensation, right, as well. Yep, yep. So, other things. And just something about the sensation. This always used to, again, trip me up, so that's why I bring it up, that the median nerve is in charge of, like we talked about, the palmar surface, the thumb, and the first two and a half, the index, middle, and ring finger, half of the ring finger. So yeah, on the other side, which is the dorsum side, the tips of the fingertips are actually still innervated by the median nerve. And mm-hmm. then the rest of the dorsum of the hand is from the radial nerve. Right. That's just something in case they ever mm-hmm. mention the tips of the fingertips. Yeah. And then if you want to, um, you know, the the radial nerve has multiple kind of uh, nerve roots from the spine, but importantly, you know, you're going to think about, you know, it's, it's good to just kind of be able to break down those nerve roots, right? Mm-hmm. So, in the case of like the radial nerve, you think of like six, seven, eight, and then a little bit of five and a little bit of one, but not super important for the uh, the questions you get asked. Uh, and then I always like to think about the, like, how do you test for this? So, uh, if you're trying to localize a nerve root, uh, I just really, like, I, I, I guess I always remember this and always just try to share this pearl. But so, the thumb, if they have sensation on the thumb, like the tip of the thumb, they likely have C6 intact. Okay. And then the, the middle finger is likely C7 intact. And then the pinky finger, the fifth digit, is likely C8 intact. Okay. That can be kind of handy if you're just trying to determine the nerve roots and the locations that everything kind of ex- comes from. So, it's the dermatomes, they kind of flow all or, all down the arm, right? But that's kind of like the termination of those different dermatomes. So, okay, awesome. That's- I think that can be helpful. Yeah, that's a really helpful pearl actually. Thank you for sharing that. 
And, you, you know, you think about the uh, different like emotions that lead to different uh, nerve involvement, right? So, if they can make a, a thumbs up sign, that means that the PIN nerve is intact and they're able to make an OK sign, then the AIN is intact. Right. Up is PIN, thumbs up, AOK, AIN. Oh, OK, OK. I like yeah. that. So, those are good little things to have. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, we mentioned it causes the sensation for the dorsum of the hand, right? Motor function with the triceps, supinator muscle, you know, the extensor muscles in the hand uh, and wrist. We've talked about the median nerve pretty well. And I guess we can kind of leave the or- ulnar nerve for another time, right? Yeah. <laughs> These patients have, uh, you know, a humeral shaft fracture, depending on the age and the radial nerve involvement can change whether or not you like want to do surgery on them. But, you know, if you are to do surgery and uh, you are trying to figure out if, or if you want to, you know, try to fix their radial nerve palsy, you know, sometimes interrogating where the nerve is and making sure it's not trapped in the, in the break is important. Supposedly, those get better faster if you do make sure that the nerve isn't entrapped. Um, but a lot of these resolve over the course of about a year sometimes. Wow, good to know. Thank you. So, that was very lots of little facts. Maybe not all step one. But still good to know for step two or clinical, um, actual clinical experience. Of- this is a lot of correlatable information. So, I do think that anatomy is hard to study. And, uh, you know, maybe lower yield than something like pathology. Uh, I, I will always say that actually. But these kind of injury questions are in a way a pathology question that just isn't typically appreciated like that. So, I think these are really good and really fair game for the exam. Yes, for sure. They always come up even in real life. We'll see these and it's just good to know this kind of information. And thank you so much for sharing your, your wisdom with us today. I don't know if we'd call it wisdom, but happy to talk through these questions and kind of give my two cents on them. And as always, I kind of hope that everyone gets what they're needing out of the Study Smarter series. I hope it's really providing a a good resource for someone to be on the go and learn something from. And I'm glad that you're able to kind of contribute and make it work. Yes, I am also very glad to help. And I hope that um, the listeners can take away a few important points from today's episode. Absolutely. um, I hope you have a great day. I hope everyone is safe and sound and good luck to everyone studying. If you guys have any questions or any input, just send us an email. Do you have anything else to add? No, uh, be sure to check out the Audio Cube Bank if you haven't. That's a great place to get these questions just with distilled information. And you won't hear me ramble into different areas like compartment syndrome when we're talking about burns. Well, um, now we know the really six good. P's, so that's good. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, it's a little bit more targeted. As always, if you want to rate and review the podcast, we really appreciate the support and everything we can get and want to help make it better. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us on social medias and things as well. As always, I say happy studying at the end. So happy studying. Yeah. Thank you so much for your help today. Absolutely.